Hello and welcome to Psychology in Seattle. I'm your host, Kirk Honda, licensed therapist. I'm Mandy, Kirk's cousin. And I'm Humberto Casaneda. I am a tour guide at the Fiscal Cliff. How do you guide that tour? You got to be careful because it's a long way down. I thought we avoided the cliff by raising the taxes slightly for the rich. We did? Am I out of a job? Yeah. Our new website is up and running, so please visit psychologyinseattle.com to check it out. We have a new outtakes video on our homepage, so check that out if you like. And of course, please visit our Support Us page, particularly the Donate Us Oh, donate us? Donate, donate, us. donate to us. Hey, button. Please donate to us. We're far below our pledge drive amount of $2,000 to reimburse for the various costs that we've incurred as a result of producing this podcast. So please go there and donate. You can send emails to contact at psychologyinseattle.com. That's contact at psychologyinseattle.com. We always love hearing from our listeners. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can review us on iTunes. That'd be nice of you. Today's music is provided, as always, or as always recently, by Bread Knife Incident, whose music is also available on iTunes. And you can support us by telling friends about us, particularly if they're in the field. And feel free to email us if you want to be a guest on the show or you have something you'd like to share with our listeners. For instance, a dude from the UK is interviewing me this Friday. He emailed me and... He's from the UK? <laughs> He's in the UK. He's a psychology student. Oh, wow. How are you going to understand each other? I don't know. That's yeah. Crazy. He's going to be like, I have to go to the loo and I'm going to be like, what are you saying? <laughs> You'll talk about your fanny pack and then he'll be a little confused. <laughs> oh, I found out there's another word that they have that's really naughty. That you would never use. Was it you that was telling me? Me. Someone who was telling me like some some word that oh dick like spotted dick is a is some sort of meal out there. It's food, right? And a fag is a cigarette. Uh, spotted dick is a dessert, I think. Oh, I want a spotted dick. No, no? spotted like your wiener has spots on it. It's a spotted dick. <laughs> but it sounds like it's a dessert. Have you had spotted dick? You've been <laughs> to England before, right? I have been to England before. And you've had a lot of spotted dick? <laughs> Wait, I, I want to clear up the kind of wiener I might... I mean, it's not wiener. <laughs> I mean, why are we talking about this? Everyone's a wiener, baby. <laughs> You're not asking for like, oh, I'll just have a spotted tea or a spotted dick. No, it's spotted dick. And did you have some? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I right. think it comes in a can. So yeah. Speaking, speaking like a Heinz can. Yeah. Let me do some quick Googling. I got to know. Yeah. Just, just a second. Speaking of uh, liking anything on Facebook, like a friend of mine, his father died, and he put up, uh, my father died, he's now with my mom, and a few people liked the notice. Like. Yeah. Right, yeah. I like that. I agree. When people post sad things... You should comment. Yeah. Or I say nothing. I, I know awkward. what they mean. I know they're trying to offer support, but it looks so terrible. No. My, my father just passed away. Two likes. I think people know what they mean. I know what they mean, but it's the wrong... I, I agree. I agree. It, 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 we're lacking a tool. Yeah, there should be another button like... Support. <laughs> support. Basically, or I want to... high five. <laughs> I want to give the love you. Oh, there should be a love you button. Or like love, a, yes. I'm here for you, buddy button. Yes. But that's kind of long. But the thumbs up. Because like, I don't want to type that out. I don't want to go actually talk to the oh, person. I just want to click a button and move on. I would yeah. like to point out, like, it should just be a little fist, like a little, like, pound it. Oh. I'm here for you, buddy. Right. And you'd be like, thanks. Or hug. Is there a hug button? Yeah. The, like, e-hug. The, the like is a thumbs up, and then the pound is a fist. <laughs> All right. So what's a spotted dick? Spotted dick is a British steamed suet pudding. Pudding. That sounds worse than what I thought it was. Containing <laughs> dried fruit, commonly served with custard. Let's look at this picture. Ooh. So, is it looks spotted? It looks spotted because that's the fruit. You that's see this picture? Oh. And it's called spotted dick. Steamed suet pudding. What the fuck is suet? That's weird. Oh my god, suet is raw beef or mutton fat. I'm sorry, pudding, steamed. Mutton fat pudding on custard. What? Can you uh, take a side note? Just a couple minutes when you're talking to this guy in the UK and ask him. About spotted dick? Yeah. Can you say that with an English accent? What? What a, what a lovely... Uh, <laughs> oh, you're my Italian! God. <laughs> oh, pardon me. Is that great on your shoe? <laughs> Can you say in uh, SSV, uh, I would like some spotted dick, but say spotted dick in English. All right. So, te gustaría... Un poquito de spatatik. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I want some. <laughs> All right. All right. I have a story to tell you guys. All right, you ready? Okay. This is spatatik. <laughs> My. <laughs> what is that from? Yeah, this is Spartacus. Oh. <laughs> no, no, this is Sparta. All right, right. This is Sparta, right? <laughs> 
All right. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, my massage therapist told me a story recently. My massage therapist arrived for her first appointment with her new therapist, Ooh. and her therapist was late, five minutes late. When the session began, the therapist asked, any trouble finding my office? And the client, my massage therapist, responded, no, it's close to my husband's work, so it wasn't difficult to find at all. Two minutes later, the therapist asks again, any trouble finding my office? The therapist seemed to have forgotten that she'd asked the question just a couple minutes earlier. And the client, my massage therapist, responded with annoyance this time. No, it's close to my husband's work, so it wasn't difficult to find at all. And the therapist didn't seem to remember that they'd been through this routine before. And I think she even asked her again later on. Who's on on first or something? I don't know. (laughs) So clearly the, the therapist was not paying attention or wasn't allocating the brain power to pay attention or something mm-hmm. and that's like fundamental therapist action which is to listen to the client wait start over i don't i don't know what you just exactly said. you're not a therapist <laughs> then the ther- then then the therapist's dog jumps up on the couch with the client starts licking the client bothering the client the client asks the therapist to do something about the dog because it was very distracting and the therapist merely said oh stop bothering her stop bo-. the dog continued to bother the client throughout the session so my massage therapist is telling me this, and I, I was, you know, disgusted, and I thought, man, this person, who would ever do this? How, you know, this has got to be an anomaly. But I felt embarrassed for my profession, honestly. And I gave a referral to a therapist that I'm actually supervising that I know who would never do any of these things. So then um, I emailed this story to my supervisees as a reminder to not do these things. And one of my supervisees told me she recently had a therapist who showed up late to the first six sessions. The first six sessions, the therapist was late every single session. And then another supervisee of mine told me that she once had a therapist who also had an annoying dog in the session that would bother her. So I thought I should make a podcast titled Obvious Shit Therapists Shouldn't Do. <laughs> this episode is, is titled Obvious Shit Therapists Should Not Do. O S T T T D D B B T. Exactly. <laughs> so I found an article online uh, on this topic and I asked Mandy to read it and present it. Go for it, Mandy. Wait, wait, wait one question, one question, one question. Yeah. Uh, one thing I don't understand, don't therapists normally, aren't they already in their office when you arrive? Right. Well, there's two ways to be late. One is is to be late to come out of your office to retrieve the person from, oh, sure, from sure. the waiting room. And the other one is to not be at the office sure. when they arrive. For me, it was always the opposite. I was always late to my... To right. My which, is, which is fine, right? Which <laughs> well, is fine. it wasn't fine because it was one of the things I was trying to improve. <laughs> but you're entitled to that is the point. Therapists are not entitled to that. Yes. So... All right. This article is titled 12 Most Annoying Habits of Therapists, which you can find on the World of Psychology website if you wanted to Google this for a read. So, number one, as Kirk mentioned, showing up late for the appointment as the therapist would be not a nice thing. I'm paying you. Get your shit in the door. Mm. Right? You've been a therapy before. Yeah. What if your therapist showed up late or didn't retrieve you on time? Yeah, that's why I was... The, the reason I was asking the question is because it seemed so not even plausible or possible. Right. Yeah. It's extremely rude, I think, personally. I, I've had an estimated 25,000 sessions. 25,000 sessions. That's a lot of sessions. And I have been late approximately 10 times. I can still remember many of these moments because I felt so guilty at the time. Clients are harmed when we treat them poorly. Clients get the message that we don't care or that we are absent-minded and that we're not paying attention to them. They need us to pay close attention to them and to put in the necessary effort to make them feel cared for. And when we're late, we are that's a fundamental communication of I'm I don't care about you. You're not important enough. I mean, to be late once it's fine. Like, oh, I ran into traffic, or oh, I had an appointment, or oh, I had this da-da-da. Sorry. But these people are telling me that their therapists were late consistently, consistently or and or they didn't apologize for it. Like, sure. it's, like it was just not a big deal. At the end of the session, uh, my therapist, she was very, what I at first felt was very draconian about ending the session. And I was, I'd be in the middle of my talking about whatever and it's like okay so we're gonna have to wrap up in five minutes and i'm like okay and then in five minutes we wrapped up and i was like jesus so exacting but that's what they need to do because the next one's coming in right they have to go to the bathroom and they have to write notes and they have to you know get a drink of water that's right so that they can be on time for the next client 
Um, plus, it's important to be consistent. And I've heard more and more stories from supervisees telling me that they go over, and I don't recommend that. I, I don't recommend being a jerk about it, but being consistent is important. Or if you want to go over, tell the client in advance, look, if you want to go over today, I have the time. Right. You know, would you like to go over? And not to have it be this haphazard thing. Because imagine if your therapist had let you go over one week, right? and then the next week was really draconian, as you put it. Yes. You'd think, like, was I a bad client today? right. right. What's wrong with me today? I appreciate it. Because I, I didn't mean mean about it. She wasn't like mean. She was just firm about it. Yeah. And I appreciated it because it only took like a few times for me to get the point. And from there on, she never would have to like say, hey, by the way, you know, like it was just like I knew. Right. And it was, it was great. Right. All right. Number two. All right. Number two. Really, really ridiculously obvious you'd think. But don't eat in front of the client. Mm-hmm. Say you just ran in and you didn't have time to eat before, so you grab some Taco Bell. You're like, hey, do you mind if I chomp on my chalupa while we do this? <laughs> it's not okay. People with bad boundaries eat a lot in front of people when they shouldn't be, in my, in my opinion. I, I, I see this a lot. And I don't want to be a jerk, you know, but I'm going to be. Okay. If you're a construction worker or you have the sort of job where your professionalism isn't at play, do what you want. But when you're a therapist, you are a professional. You represent our field, and you also are in charge of an uh, important aspect of people's lives, you know? They are coming to you to tell you things that are very personal and are very sensitive, and for you to treat it like it's not a big deal is hurtful to them. All right, number three. <laughs> number three is yawning or sleeping during a session. For the therapist. These are all things therapists should not do. There's a famous therapist, Carl Whitaker, who fell asleep during a filmed session. And he woke up and he's a very playful therapist, a family therapist. What he said was, well, you must have been really boring me. There must be an emotional, there must be an emotional plug in this family that needs to be unplugged and because that plug is there the energy sucked was sucked out of me and i fell asleep <laughs> no. wasn't that story told at the at the award show was it i, I think i heard it someone might have told it there oh yeah yeah and, and honestly i could have an apocryphal if not completely you know erroneous version of that sure. in my head but but from memory that's was but imagine your therapist fell asleep how would you feel Okay, the yawning part, I, I mean, I'm not saying, like, if they're yawning all the time in every session, that'd be terrible. But I can understand, hey, like, a yawn, they covered their mouth. It's like, whatever. But they fall asleep while I am talking? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think that's very common. But I would imagine that therapists get pretty tired. Of and, course. And then their lids get real, you know, they don't just, like, fall asleep. But you can, you know, when you're talking to someone and, yeah, yeah. and their eyes are, like... Well, that happens to me all the time. Half-masked, you know? <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and, and you just kind of see them. They're they're hanging on for dear life. Yes. At work, it's hilarious. I, like, you'll see people, including me. Like you'll, like, you'll be in the meeting, and you're like, it's like at 2 p.m., and everyone's like, uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My friend used to call that, I think it was like, bucking the Bronco or something, because you're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's the you worst on the bus home. I swear, and some people, I've, sat, I've ridden the bus home with, like, some poor high school kid who was like, you're sitting on the two-seater, and they're like, uh, and you feel like, and you're like, oh, my God, he's going to come. He's going to come into contact with me, completely falling asleep sideways. And when as just as he's about to touch you, he's, oh, and he bucks himself awake. <laughs> so awkward. So, wait, let me get this straight. When you're on the bus and someone starts leaning into you, you ride the bucking bronco? Is that what you said? <laughs> Did I get that right? Wait, that's not. <laughs> as a therapist, I can relate to this. You might be seeing eight clients in a row, eight hours, back-to-back sessions, and you're sitting the entire time. You might not have gotten a good night's sleep the night before. As many ha, she's yawning. I did not. You, you cannot prove that. No, that. I'm not the therapist. So if there's a place where you would fall asleep, this would be it. So what I tell my supervisees is it's normal. But you got to do something in order to make it not happen. If you ever find yourself kind of nodding off, uh, some you have failed somehow in my in my view. Um, either you didn't good, get enough sleep the night before, or you scheduled too many clients in a row, or maybe you need a nap in the middle of the day. Uh, since I've turned forty, I take naps in the afternoon, or sometimes I'll take a nap at ten a.m. 
Because in order for me to function as a therapist and as a professor, I have to be in tip-top shape. My brain has to be working at 100%. Sure. And in order for that to happen, sometimes that means I got to take a nap. And I never used to take naps before. Well, you, you know about the joke of like siestas in Latin countries, but it's not a joke. In the previous generations, they always took time during the day to take a, a nap. Oh, I didn't And know it that. was societal. Yeah. So like my, my parents and their grand, you know, grandparents' generations and before... It was built in, like, you would go home from at lunchtime from your work, eat at home, take a nap, go back to work. Yeah. And people say, oh, but I'll be so tired. I used to think that, too. I don't think that anymore. 20 minutes? Sometimes I just need five minutes, and I'm good to go. And if I didn't do that, I'd be constantly nodding off the entire time. So therapists need to manage their energy level, their sleep deprivation, their health. They're responsible for that. It's not an excuse to say, oh, I didn't get enough sleep last night. That's why I'm nodding off with this client. It's your responsibility as a therapist to take care of that. Tough love. All right, number four. Inappropriate disclosures. And that refers to a therapist sharing a bit too much about their own life. It's the client's therapy. It's their time for an outlet. Did your therapist ever disclose too much to you? No, in fact, it was disconcerting. And I think that this may be a problem for some new folks to therapy or for clients that are new to therapy. At least it was for me. Me being a very non-talkative person. I'm kidding. I'm obviously a talkative person. <laughs> but like, yeah, I know Mandy's like, what? No, but I mean, you're sitting there and I'm like spilling out, like ripping open my chest. He's like, here's all my... Like insights from all my life, right? Literally. <laughs> I love when people say that. It's the insights from my life. Literally. Literally. <laughs> yeah, I ripped open my... Ch- Anyways, uh, sternum cracked. and um, No, but, but then I know nothing of this person. And I remember I would ask questions like, oh, do you live nearby? And she was very good at not being a jerk about it, but like avoiding the question or, or deflecting it or whatever. Because you were being creepy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It was like because she was trying not to disclose any personal information. And, and yeah, because I'd be like, take off your clothes. And she'd like divert the question. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. But Just because you're like, paying her doesn't mean that's part of the full service treatment. Uh, but it, but that's so not I, therapy. At first, I was always kind of like, wait, I, it's weird. Like, I know nothing about this person. And then, of course, after a while, you get comfortable with that, this reality, which is that's what makes it work. Yeah, it's an odd relationship that you, if you haven't been in it before, aren't accustomed to it, it's strange. That's right. You know, it's like, I'm going to tell you everything about my life and I know nothing about your That's life. Right. It doesn't seem right. But once you get used to it it, it, it makes sense. And again, as Manny said, it's not friend time. It's not therapist uh, lifetime. It's about the client. And if the therapist discloses too much information, it breaks what they call the frame of the therapy and is perhaps untherapeutic and, and uh, can damage the therapeutic relationship and the, and the therapy itself. Number five. five? Number five. Another no-no, being impossible to reach by phone or email. Clients might be in some tough places, looking for some advice, looking to schedule maybe some more appointments, and they, they need to hear from you. You know, people need responses in general. Right. It's not professional to leave people hanging. It's not kind in any relationship you have to right. leave someone hanging. I respond. I get a lot of emails, and I respond to my client emails first out of yeah, all of prioritize, them. Prioritize, you yeah, know. Right. That's interesting, because my therapist was very anti-email. So all, all she had, I don't, she certainly didn't have a cell phone. There was a line you could call and leave a message. She's very good about getting back, but... Right. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because there's certain confidentiality problems with mm-hmm. emails. The point is, is that the therapist needs to be upfront with the client about how to contact and what to expect. Right. I think what this piece of advice in this article is saying is don't give your clients the impression that they can contact you and you will get back to them in a timely manner and then not do it is the point. And just think about how you do that. All right. Number six. Therapists should not become distracted by phone Cell phone, computer, or pet. Oh, my God. Okay, I have two things. One is is I was doing co-therapy many years ago with another therapist. So it was me and another therapist and a family. And we were in the middle of the session, and the other therapist, her phone rings. And the first thought I had was, what the fuck? Your phone is on? <laughs> oh, jerk. That was Birdo. Have some decency, man. I was wondering why you're looking at your phone. 
that was perfect perfectly timed. timed. I, I I was thinking I was thinking your phone is on. I I can't even believe that your phone is on. How disrespectful! How unethical! How unprofessional! Then she pulls it out and answers it. Oh no! And starts talking to this person like, "Oh hi, yeah, uh huh, oh." Well, no, not busy at all. I don't know. What are you up to? No, just joking. She's <laughs> like, I'm, I'm a little busy right now. Let me call you back. And I, I'm looking at her like, what planet are you from? And where did you go to school? And who supervised? I mean, I didn't know much about her. Right. Wow. I'm getting angry because these things happen and they make me look bad. Those people make me look bad. And they also are harming the clients, which I have compassion for these people that are, and, and, and the clients don't know. Clients don't necessarily know, like, that's wrong. My therapist shouldn't be answering the phone. All right. Oh no, pets. I would never have thought that I would have heard a story about a therapist who would allow their pet in the session, one, and then two, to bother the client. I mean, that'd be like having like your your funny uncle in the middle of the session, you know, like <laughs> eating a hamburger in the uh, middle of the session. Like, be like inviting a bear to along to one of your sessions. Yeah. Don't mind him. I just stare at you the whole time. <laughs> but I, I've heard two stories like this now. Actually, I would laugh at all the inappropriate moments. Somebody did that to me yesterday. What? It was hurtful. Wait, laughing at all? I said it was the most painful breakup of my life, and he just busted <laughs> out laughing, and I was like... So having a pet is fine. I love pets. You know that. I love dogs. I love cats. I don't like snakes or iguanas. I'm not really into that. <laughs> That's so random. But I, well, some people have like snakes sure. as pets. They're like, oh, my snake. I'm like, what? No, no, people don't really have those anymore, do they? they yeah. Do. Oh, they do. But they don't like, oh, my snake. Oh, they do. They oh, love their snakes. Holy shit. Yeah. They feel, they have the same bond that. Oh, my tarantulas. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> I, I love animals. I, I love my, but I and my cats stay well away from my from my clients, yeah. even though they would love to be all over them. And even though a lot of my clients would love to have my cats with them, but it's distracting. It's a distraction. And if you want to have the sort of therapy that involves animals, and that is the form of therapy that you are conducting, then great. But you need to be supervised. By someone who understands that form of therapy, you have to get training in that form of therapy. There's a form of therapy, equestrian therapy, I think, where you have a, a horse and you involve horses within the therapy. You're out in the field with the horse and it, it's, it, it's a form of therapy and you get training in it and supervision and you disclose to your clients, we are going to be involving horses, but it has to be disclosed. You have to have the training. It has to be done ethically. It can't just be a random dog in the session with you that's bothering the client. That actually happened to me once. What? The dog in the session. It did. I mean, we had a comfortable enough relationship to where she explained, hey, just, you know, my dog, I, I couldn't get the sitter or whatever. Okay. He's going to be. But even then, it was still distracting because it's kind of like a big shaggy dog and she still had to tell it a few times to like, no, no, stay. So ultimately, was I pissed? No. The therapist apologized and right. was like, this is a special situation. Right. I have no way out of this. It That's was, right. The only alternative would have been to cancel my That's session right. with you. I, you know, is this okay? I'm sorry. That that's fine. You know, I'm late to the session. It's a one-off thing. I'm really sorry. You know, mistakes happen. Life happens. It's fine. But the stories I'm hearing, the dog is always there in every session, and the therapist isn't apologizing for it at all. Okay. All right. You have a cute case for your... Oh, is that hearts? No, those are purple circles. Is that a Kindle? Spotted dick. Spotted dick. Spotted case. <laughs> uh, I have a spotted iPad mini case. Oh, is that an iPad mini? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a Kindle. No, it's an iPad. It looks just like a giant oh. iPhone. Thanks, Santa. I was a good girl this year. Maybe they could sponsor us. <laughs> Santa, will you sponsor us if Umberto's really good this year? And I mean it. You didn't do us any favors last year, did you? That's why, that's why only I got the iPad. Baby. I'll be really quiet in all the sessions when I'm standing in the corner looking, staring. No touching. <laughs> no touching. No touching. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's just my, my bear. Don't, don't, don't worry. Oh, no, get off. Get no, off. I said sit down. Get off. <laughs> Go to the corner. No, keep your pants uh, on. He'll, he'll get on you for a little bit, but it's okay. He's trained. <laughs> the leg humping thing is a phase, I promise. <laughs> it's a long phase. But. <laughs> God. All right. Um, this should seem obvious, uh, as all of these are, but therapists should not express preferences of the racial, sexual, musical, lifestyle, religious, or otherwise. So, like, your own personal preferences for basically anything. But, like, you know, I'm sure it's not 
the end of the world if it's like we were talking about ice cream and it's like, well, do you have a favorite? And they said. Uh, vanilla is nice. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, this one's lower on the list, I'm guessing, because the writer thought this wasn't the first thing that occurred to them, and so they're they're trying to fill out the list. But well, but certainly they said like, it. I don't like black people. I don't like Hispanics. I don't like <laughs> right. Well, obviously, this is a pretty complicated topic, honestly, and we've talked about it yeah, per- yeah. previously in other episodes. But um, so I'll just say it's a complicated thing, and it's something to think about. What ice cream you like? Meh. You know, the football team right. that you follow, or something. But religion, politics, yeah, right. or maybe right. it's just yes, like yes. a reminder: don't get too off topic. Like, say you realize that you as a therapist and the client both share a deep-seated love for Teletubbies don't spend an hour talking about all those episodes that you guys love like yeah, stay, f- yeah. stay focused on the therapy and the client's benefit right yeah. or who you voted for because you could alienate a client if they have a strong political view that kind of thing it's not important who you voted right. for you know right, right. Yeah. all right so number eight this this gets another mention bringing your pet to the psychotherapy session really don't yeah. Involve your pets. Okay. Snakes or hamsters or dogs or whatever. Or birdos. <laughs> Definitely don't bring any birdos. They've been banned from a lot of places. I don't places. like these new rules, man. So that seems obvious. Oh, next one. Another problem for you. No hugging. <gasps> or physical contact. Got to keep that in check. Physical contact between client and therapist must always be expressly spelled out and okayed by both parties ahead of time. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is another complicated thing. Some people will shake hands. Um, I'll shake hands with clients at times. Some people will hug, and I don't tend to hug, but some people do, and, and they pull it off. It, it's a sensitive thing. Um, it should be done very thoughtfully by the therapist, for sure, and the easiest way to do that is to talk about it beforehand and make sure everything's fine. But beyond hugging very briefly and friendly, uh, people should like probably... Like a, si- a side hug, like, hey. Well, you know, there's a, kind, hug. <laughs> there's a kind of hug where you're really hugging, hugging, and there's a kind of hug where... Where your genitals hug. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of hug? It's not yeah. okay. <laughs> Full-on full full on pelvic, you know, the contact. <laughs> the, the, there's that, and then there's the kind of hug where you're in your jacket and you're just kind of like, hey. Um, so there's a difference. Or you're and, like, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Hug it out. But in general, unless you have the okay from your supervisor, you should probably not be hugging your clients is the point. Yes. And here's a bigger point. At no time is sexual relationship or sexual touching appropriate in the psychotherapy rela- relationship. Yeah, duh. Uh, yeah, duh. Did you ever have sex with your therapist, Berto? No, I did not. Did you ever have sex in front of your therapist? All the time. No, what are you talking Well, why else was the dog there? Pound it! What if you're going to sex therapy? And it's part of the procedure for you the to The sex have- therapy doesn't mean you have sex in front of the therapist. I do not think it means what you think it means. Some, sometimes it does, not very commonly. Uh, and maybe we should have We should do an therapist. episode. Yeah. You can have sex in, in front, front of, of the therapist, therapist for the betterment of the therapy process. For the betterment of the sexual life of the couple, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Are you serious? I'm serious, serious. Uh, it's not very common because of the liability and the... Creepab- creepability. Yeah, clients probably wouldn't want to do it, but... Some people would. <laughs> wink, wink. It's analogous to, you know, couples therapy where the therapist helps the, the clients to communicate better to, with right. each other. How to have sex with each other is similar to that. Um, in my non-Puritan point of view, I think it's fine. Yeah. Uh, if it's done right and ethically and not creepily. Uh, but in our society, you would have a hard time pulling that off, honestly. So I would, I would arrive at the session with like, hey, I, t- I videotaped myself doing the techniques we discussed last time. You know, like self-meditation and, you know, eating right, etc. And then I pop in the videotape and then all of a sudden it's me having sex and I'd be like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't know what this was. Is that too creepy? There's many. There, that's a multi-layered <laughs> creepiness. There's so many layers to that creepy. I wish this was a video so you could see my just Dis- disgust. Dis- disgust. Yeah. You make a good disgusting face and judgmental. Ooh, it's sort of disgust. Disgustmental. Disgustmental. <laughs> yes, you're disgusting. Plus, I roll. I rolly whatever is in there too. <laughs> I've been told I'm very animated. With your face. I don't know what that means. It means you're animated. You communicate very well with your face. Is that it? Yeah. Is that what it means? It means expressive. You... I I assume and think that all people are expressive. No. 
what it indicates is that you want people to know what you're thinking. No, I don't want them. It just happens. <laughs> people who don't want other people to know what they're thinking will have very stone-faced, low reactivity on their face. You want people to know how you think. I can't help it. I could be poker face. <laughs> I'm still getting a little disgust. And, disgust her face. <laughs> Damn it. You're totally messing up my sourpuss face. Well, that's the sourpuss face. All right, next No, one. I don't know. Okay, I can't help it. <laughs> okay, so last point, just to review. Always have sex in therapy, right? With the therapist and the dogs. With a the therapist dog. Got it. Never have sex with the therapist dog. Oh, never. Next. Inappropriate displays of wealth or dress. I think that this just kind of hits home to just maintaining professionalism. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I get, I mean, I, I suppose in the extreme this makes sense, but I mean, you have to be trying pretty hard to be wearing, like, what are you wearing, Chanel? And yeah, it says a therapist slathered in expensive jewelry is a put off to most clients. As are blouses or dresses that show too much skin or cleavage. Well, statements like that seem to be an indication of the writer's point of view. Right. It sounds like a man wrote this. And plus, it's like, what culture are you in? What country are you in? What part of what? Yeah, what part of town are you in? What kind of clients do you work with? Depends on if you worship breasts or not, and if you like them. Well, no, no, but thing. okay. So, so I, I get the cleavage part, right? But jewelry could be like, you know, how you know, new age folks have a lot of like crystals or whatever. Like, okay, I think my therapist. I don't, she wasn't like regaled in it, but she would, she had a few things on. They weren't like expensive, I'm sure. But. Well, I think the point is is that the therapist needs to be considerate of how their dress adds to their presentation and right. therefore the therapy. If they are dressed very plainly, that's saying something. If they're dressed very extravagantly, that's saying something to the client. What are you saying to the client with your dress, and and how do you mm-hmm. and how do you want to manage that? For instance, I take my shoes off and as a therapist because. I don't like to wear shoes inside. I'm Japanese, so what are you going to do? When I was younger, as a therapist, when I was in my 20s, I had socks that had holes in them. And I remember one time, uh, so I'm sitting cross-legged, and my foot is sort of like facing the client. And uh, this woman was talking about her son, and she was like, yeah, my son, my 20-year-old son, he's an impeccable dresser. He would never have holes in his socks like you, is what she said. Oh, my God. And that's when you figured out you look well, like a slovenly pig. I always knew that I had s- holes in some of my socks. But you never looked at your feet before you took them out of your I shoes? I did, but I didn't know that people noticed. And oh, I d- oh, yeah. Right. Oh, and yeah. So from then on, I always make a point. Get yourself some dress socks. Son. Well, I just don't. I throw away socks when they get holes, you know. <laughs> the point. Okay. So when I, when I was a therapist, because in, in Colombia, just like in Japan, they don't wear shoes. Colombia, we don't wear pants, right? So I'd be sitting there in my underwear, and I didn't know I had holes in my underwear. Right. And so this lady was telling me about her son always had underwear without holes in it. Right. Unlike you. Right. <laughs> it could be an equalizer in a room where people just feel safe and equal. Like, you're there for me, and I, you know, just want to feel like you're not looking down on me from some, like, super privileged place or wherever. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just in this place, like, kind of like uniforms. Mm. They just don't, they don't differentiate us. It's a safe, non-judgy place where I don't feel like, well, how could you understand me? You, and you've got all, you know, these nice things, and I'm freaking out about, you know, paying my bills and saving my marriage and raising my kids. And mm. look at you. You look like you couldn't relate to me at all mm. because you have a lot of success, which I see in these d- giant diamond ring you have or super mm. fancy clothes. Like, you But know. you could take it the other way, though. If I'm wealthy and I come in and I'm tra- talking about wealthy problems, I'd be like, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Look at you. You're slovenly. So anyway, the point is, is it's not like one size fits all for every client in terms of what you should wear, but you should just consider what you're wearing as a part of your presentation to the client. Is there one more? There are two more. Okay. We've been keeping track. Number 11. Number 11. Clock watching. Don't do it. Along with yawning, always checking your watch every five minutes is like, am I boring you? Do you want to get out of here? Is there something better than my money can buy you right now? Like, I need my every minute that I'm entitled to because I'm paying for it and I need, I want your help. This should be higher on the list, honestly. You must have seen your therapist look at the clock sometimes. The clock was always in very clear display to both of us. And I never saw her actively checking it. I think that's important just so it's for both people 
to know it's there, so neither have to make any kind of like, oh, gee, am I getting, well, am I losing track of time? Yeah. I think that's helpful, a quiet reminder. Yeah, there's different philosophies to this. What I do is I have clocks that are strategically placed so that I don't have to glance very actively, and I also try to look when they're not looking straight at me, um, and I also try to look very infrequently. I actually have had, you know, like I said, 25,000 sessions around. There's a 50-minute alarm clock in my brain. Mm. I can... I I very much can sense when the session is wrapping up. Sure. Yeah. So not looking at the clock very often. It's very important. Again, like you said, Manny, it just makes you feel disrespected. It makes you feel as a client that the therapist wants to get it over with once it wants to be done with it. The other thing you guys brought up of whether or not to have a clock that the client can see. I actually, in my office, don't have a clock that the client can see because I want the client to just be free and just Mm, to just to meander and all watch the clock for them. Because when I put a clock out, a lot of times, or when they have a watch, I find that they look at their watch a lot, and it, it sort of takes them out of the the soup of the unconscious to some extent. Now, the pro to that is that they can say, oh, I have five, minute, five minutes left. I haven't gotten to the most important thing I wanted to get to. Yeah. I better talk about it now. Whereas if they don't know what time it is, they might not ever do that. So there's pros and cons to either, and I choose to do, you know, to not have a clock for them to see. But, you know, there's different ways of doing it. All right, the last one, which I kind of thought was, I would probably feel kind of off-put if the therapist was participating in excessive note-taking, oh. like they're listening to you and they're like, mm, mm, yes, scribble, 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 scribble. and you're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, um, and, and then he said he'd call me and he didn't, oh, <laughs> you're like what yeah what are you writing about me and then she's like, like or they're they're shaking their head no yeah as they're writing their notes yeah and they're like, oh, oh. oh. She, you, wait you said what yeah oh, oh. what was that dream mm. oh wait let me look at my no. oh that's yeah. wait, no, that's not yeah. no yeah. that's not what i meant right you yeah dirty. I, I run into this sometimes as a therapist myself i take notes in the first session only because i get a lot of details that i won't necessarily remember unless I write down. But I've worked with supervisees who take notes a lot and just the fi- the physical nature of a notepad in front of you is sort of a barrier to the energy with with a client not energy like actual energy but the communication the sense of intimacy you know there are different ways of doing it i could see one therapist using a notepad a lot and and being very able to connect with their clients it just it just depends it's just something to think about and again to know the impact that taking notes has on the client to know that and to do it with that knowledge in your mind and not just take notes and say i don't care what impact it has on the client or I don't know what impact it has on the client. Right. I'd be wondering, what are you writing? What 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 are you writing about me? What are you writing about no, me? No, it's not about you. I'm writing my novel, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> if I remember right, my therapist had a little notepad like next to her and every now and then, like if there's something that we're like, well, we should talk about that in the future. She'd like make a note of it or something. Right. right. And, and there's some there's some forms of therapy like cognitive behavioral therapy that, that require a lot of note taking because the therapist needs to remember the assignment that was given and mm-hmm. and yeah. needs to write down certain numbers indicating how depressed you are or how anxious you are. And so it really just depends. Um, but just be aware of it is the point. And and usually what I find is that novice some novice therapists will will rely too much on notes and won't pay enough attention to the phenomenology of the client really listening. Well, I have my idea for 2013 then. I'm going to open my own therapy practice. I don't yeah. know if I got to get like licensed or anything, but um, but I'm going to do everything on this list. That's going to be my my shtick. It's like people arrive, I got many pets all roaming around. You're not even there because you're late. I am definitely late. And you and you hug them when they walk in. And you're trying to have sex with them. I've already had sex with him, and I talk only about myself. And your prejudices. The door has like, you must be this tall, you must be this <laughs> color, you must be this race, etc. Yeah. You know, I think that I'll actually get like Studio 54, you know how like you don't let people in, all of a sudden you have huge lines outside. Yeah. Everyone's going to want to come. They're like, wow, this is new, crazy therapy, but it, they say it works. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to quit your job as the cliff. Well, it sounds like I've been fired. Yeah. Oh, well, that's right. So. All right. Tougher bluff. I'm going to start off tougher bluff by not doing a tougher bluff. Time Magazine recently did a ranking of all the video games that have ever been made. 
since the beginning of video game. And there are two lists. There's a list that Time Magazine made, uh, which is the uh, all-time 100 greatest, greatest video games. And then they asked the readers to pick their 100 best. So I just want to see how many you, you guys can guess. So let's just go back and forth. These are the top 100 video games. Top 100 video games. Which means there's been like 1,000 in existence and 100 are good. I couldn't even name 50. There's probably a million in yeah. existence. Super Mario Brothers. That one's, uh, on, that one's on the list. Is Duck Hunt or does that count as the same thing? It's not on the list. Hail. It's on my list. Well, Karina of Time. Karina of Time. You're cheating. What are you doing? What are you doing? That one's not on the list. That's well. Then this list, I I, I question this list. Video games or computer games? I don't the think. Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of they Time is not. Oh, Zelda. Yeah, look for Zelda: Ocarina of Time. The Le- Zelda 64. Well, there's the Legends of Zelda. I had that on Game Boy original. And the first one can definitely be on the list. Halo. Halo's on it. People were talking about Mist yesterday. Resident Evil 4. Oh, my God. You know what's on? Mist isn't on it. Oregon Trail. Uh, Resident Evil is on it. Or- Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail is definitely on it. Wait, where? What number? Oregon Trail is number one on the reader's poll. Wow. Thank you. That's not right. <laughs> yes, it is. Mario And Mario Brothers was four. Ford for the River. Lose your oxen. You're going to have to shoot some squirrels for dinner. Oregon Trail is number one. People love okay, that game. You, I don't know. I spent my a lot of my elementary school waiting to play that game when it was my no, turn on the PC no. when it was still a little rainbow-colored apple on the Mac. Well, for that matter. Oh, Othello. and we played number munchers on floppy disks where, like, you'd, you'd <laughs> crunch them with the space bar back before there was even, like, I don't even know what kind okay, of computer Tetris, that was. Tetris, Tetris. Tetris is on the list. Number munchers. Is that a, is that no, a game? No, that is not on the list. That's not even... Maybe it was just a math game. Hey. Okay, Pac-Man. Pac-Man is number two, I think. Yeah. Uh, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, that's probably... There's probably... Yeah, a, Mortal Kombat. Street Fighter. Uh, t- come on. Street Fighter 2. <laughs> you, took it, you took the words out of my mouth. Oh. Uh, okay, well then in that case... Grand Theft Auto? No, no, Grand Turismo and Grand Theft Auto. Grand Turismo. Uh, not Grand Tur- Turismo, but Grand Theft Auto 3. Grand Turismo is not on the list? Oh my god. Oh, M- Mist is on the list. I misspelled uh, it. M-Y-S-T. Yeah, yeah. What about that Hummer game that's we like so much right. at that uh, arcade? I don't think that's on. That should <laughs> be. Right. What was that turbo button? <laughs> Go back in time more. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. Gal- 80s. Uh, Galaga. That's my favorite, Galaga. Um, okay. Galaga is on the list. Okay, it's on the list. Contra. Pong. Contra is on the list. Pong is on the list. Double Dragon. Pong. Can I just go look at all those Atari games you Double have? Dragon not. Golden Axe. What's that game? Yars, Yars Revenge? I know, but Golden Eye is. Yar, Yars Revenge? Uh, oh, Gauntlet. Yars. Gauntlet. Yars not Gauntlet. Not Gauntlet. What? Oh, okay, come on. Uh, Zork? Oh, Zork, yes. Okay. They're picking weird ones. Uh, definitely Doom. Doom's got to be on there. Doom, yes. Uh, Duke Nukem 3D? <laughs> no Duke. Tchah. I, I, Who okay, Half Life. Yes, Half Life Two. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll name the top bunch: Oregon Trail, Pac Man, Mass Effect Three, Super Mario Brothers, Pong, Space Invaders, hmm. Donkey Kong, oh. Tetris, Sonic Hedgehog. Yep, Tetris, Asteroids, Zelda, Breakout, Frogger, Mortal Kombat, Sonic the Hedgehog, yeah. Doom, Street Fighter Two, Punch Out. With Honda, right? Piston Honda. Contra, GoldenEye 7, Galaga, Centipede, Paperboy. Remember Paperboy? Yeah. Pitfall. Remember Pitfall? Oh, yeah. Defender, SimCity. Are you going to read 100? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I love all these games. Do you remember Mule? M-U-L-E? Well, you guys might be too young for that game. But why is Mule on there and not some of the other ones I listed? <laughs> because your game sucks. Oh, what. really? Yeah. This Gauntlet. Game, this Gauntlet. Game. You're saying Gauntlet sucks. This game Ga- sucks. Ga- You're going on the record. Ga- Gauntlet was good. Tougher bluff. Tougher bluff. <laughs> Tougher bluff. The dot that appears over the letter lowercase i is called a tittle. <laughs> Oh, I just heard this. From where? But I don't remember what you they did said. Not. I did because they they said what the I is, and they also said what the tag of the letter below the line is. There's a name for like when a Y goes below the line or the G goes. But there's a little name for that, and there's a name for the tittle. That doesn't sound familiar, but it kind of does. I'll say bluff. You're up, man. That sounds like a bluff. It's tough. It's a tittle. A tittle? Tittle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Zelda, <laughs> Ganondorf is the leader of a race of desert brigands called the Ganons, who oh consist of mainly females. Uh, Do not Umbertoize this and split one hair. I well, didn't. this is still an Umberto one because... No, it's not. Let's say it again. Okay. <sighs> Ganondorf is the leader of what a race... Game? What I'm game? I'm not listening. Zelda. 
All the I, Zelda. Any, any Zelda. It's, I bear, I, it's the main bad guy. I don't guy remember in all the Zelda. Zelda. I don't remember Zelda at He's all. He's the main bad guy. If you've played even one Zelda game, you know the answer. I don't remember. I'll say tough. It sounds possible. Mandy? Bluff. You're right. They're the Gerudo. Not the Gannons. Okay. Mars and the Earth are about the same size. Tougher bluff. Mars and the Earth are about the same size. I sound stupid. I don't know. Bluff. Mars is bigger? I'm going to say Mars is bigger. I don't know. If we're talking about on the order of, they are on the order of the same size. Tough. Bluff. Mars is half as big. What? It's quite a bit smaller. Oh, my God. The gravity is a lot less. and For some reason, I thought it was really big. Yeah, I thought it was closer than that. People think of Mars as being similar size to the Earth. Venus is similar, right? I think Venus is very similar, yeah. All right. Hmm, tougher bluff. More people are killed by roller coasters annually than are killed in plane crashes. I'll say tough. That's possible. I hope it's not tough, but I'm going to go with tough. It's bluff. Oh, good. More people are killed by donkeys every year. Annually. Then plane crashes. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, but donkey killing. Watch out. That less people are killed by roller coasters. The roller coasters have nothing to do with it. Wait a minute. You don't know. Oh, you pulled a, an experto. Well, yeah. I you pulled an experto. No, I didn't. You did. Point is, is you don't know. You don't know. Fine. It could be, it could, oh, look who's talking. See, now, now if I had read it this, the, <laughs> the way it was supposed to, you'd be like, oh, that's lame. Because I would have. I just read it. I would have read All it right. straight. Like more people are killed by donkeys annually than killed by plane crashes. You'd be like tough, and I'd be like, that's true. Well, you could have gone the other way. <laughs> I was going to switch it, but then I was like, no, that sounds late. More people are killed by plane crashes than donkeys. That sounds obvious, but it's not. See, I went against my gut, and I did something stupid. And I sounded right, like right. you. <laughs> no. My tougher bluff was bad not, like your bad. No, 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 no. It's the ex me. You're going back to last year. Oh, you're, you're, like, you're, you're a new man. Time. I oh. am a new man. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You're this new horrible therapist. I just tried to look up the statistics. I can't find it. Roller coaster deaths? Yeah. All right. You guys are familiar with Tetris? There are many, though. God, I love roller coasters. Don't tell me. I'd want to go on a roller coaster. There's a whole website dedicated to all the accidents on rides at carnivals. It's called Ride... Carnivals are different than a theme park. You should know what you're doing and that it's a risk if you're getting on where the carnies are running it. Here's a picture of, like, some people caught on a roller coaster. Do not show it to me. I love roller coasters. Oh, my God. These people are caught upside down. Forever? They have a crane. They're trying to pull them out of the thing. Ferris wheels uh, malfunction. You're scaring me. I don't want to hear this. Me neither. I know something you do want to hear, though. What? A grave <laughs> is waiting for you ahead. Let me wait. Let me wait. Thanks. That was great. I feel All much right. better. Speaking of uh, Ferris wheels, uh, Tetris, the game Tetris. Everyone familiar with Tetris? Uh-huh. It derived its name from the Greek numerical prefix tetra, and the Ferris wheel, because Alexei Pajdanov, who was the inventor, loved uh, amusement parks. Bluff. Bluff. What do you guys think? Uh, the first part's true. The second part is not. Yeah. That's true. It was Tetra and tennis. He was a huge fan of tennis. How does that... Tetris is nothing like tennis. But he, he called it based on those two things. All right. Tougher Bluff. The map location of Steven Spielberg's local post office provided the name for R2-D2. The map location of Steven Spielberg's local post office provided the name for R2-D2. I figured out why Tetris is called Tetris. It's Tetra, the T-E-T-R, and Tennis, I-S. Tetris. Tennis. That's, but that's what I just Tetra said. Tetra tennis. Yeah, but before we couldn't really put the connections together until I just made the connection. No, 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 But no, no, why no, no. tennis? Why though? tennis? I don't know, but he liked the two and then he made the name. No, but that's I what I said. I don't know. <laughs> I, I did a tougher, by the way, I did a tougher bluff about the R2-D2 thing already. About the origin of the name? No. You just did a tougher bluff about R2-D2? And we can never do another <laughs> never tougher bluff? No, but R2-D2. I was like, about the name, where it came you from. Never, and you're oh, twi- you did? Yeah! Oh. You don't remember it? No. But oh, okay. Well, I'm going to say that from my recollection and understanding, that's a bluff. Okay. Berto? That is tough. It's C-3PO. The map uh. location of Steven Spielberg's local post office provided the name for C-3PO. R2-D2 was like the name of the reels from American Graffiti. Oh. Okay. Tough or bluff. Hawaii is moving toward Japan four inches every year. Four inches every year toward Japan. Yeah, I think they are moving toward Japan. Four inches? Okay, that sounds possible. Four four inches. Annually. Four inches. That seems like too much. I'm going to say bluff. In the grand scheme, yeah, tough. 
It's tough. Wow. Yep, wow. we're on, they're on the move. All right, all right. R2-D2 stands for Second Generation Robotic Droid Series 2. R2-D2 stands for Second Generation Robotic Droid Series 2. Bluff. I have no idea. (laughs) Bluff. We should try and do as many of these as possible. (laughs) What does R2-D2 stand for? It is tough. R2-D2 stands for Second Generation Robotic Droid Series 2. He made that up because he's like, I just like that. Let's figure out something it stands for. (laughs) No, that's definitely true. In fact, this is, according to Star Wars Encyclopedia, published after the release of the film. So they could have made whatever. Is it on Wikipedia? Because that's... (laughs) (laughs) Is that a thing? Wikipedia. It's official. (laughs) (laughs) I wish... This is the official published name of it. (gasps) It's so bad. (gasps) Oh, my God. It's so bad. You you both need... Mandy... I got something better for you. Just both need work on your <laughs> Wookie. Wookiepedia? <laughs> that is so funny. The greatest adventure is one. God, the Hobbit was good. Oh, we should talk about it. The new Hobbit? Yeah. What about it? Did you like it? Thorin? Thorin is sexy. Oh, really? Mm. You like wait a Thorin? minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait He's up. probably shorter than you, though. He's big work. <laughs> Just kidding. That was disgusting. Oh, that's funny. Thorin is sexy. I thought he was sexy. People oh. think I'm weird, but I'm like, he was such an inspiring leader. His wavy hair was so... No, no, I wanted to touch that guy. hair. I just wanted to rub my hands through it. Yeah. He yeah. is the is that wrong? of that movie. He's the leader. That is sexy. He's Ooh, like, I will alpha. lead. I will get pride and take over my kingdom again Erebor. and restore. The Lonely Mountain. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I, I admired that. Yeah. I admired that. Yeah. Yeah, he's handsome. Well, he also didn't look comedic like the guys with the hair and the noses. Before and before and buffy and buffy. And that super boopy. fat one. Did you like it? Yeah, I thought it was good. But I am like a super dumbass who'd never read the books and has no idea what happens. So I was like, oh, what happens? As a super nerd of the book, and I have an annotated version, and I've read about the history of the book, and I love the movie. It's a take on the story. You know, yeah. if a different director did his ver- his or her version of the book it would it would be very different you know so it's right. it's it's peter jackson's take on it and i appreciate it i liked it there are a couple moments two moments that bugged the s out of me one is is when the <laughs> stone giants the when the stone giants were actual parts of the mountain that's not anything like the book that has the in the book they're basically just like Giants or or trolls that throw stones at each other. Right. Why do they just wake up and start pounding the shit out of each other? I know. Can you can you explain that? No. Okay then. (laughs) They were like drunks. The fact that their maps their maps would be kind of useless (laughs) if you think about their maps and the fact that they know the mountain pass and all these things that's useless then. Because those mountains get dramatically rearranged every right. time they have one of those fights. I know. The other moment that bugged me was when, the they, mines. Were, when they were running in the mines yeah. and there were all those goblins and they were just, w- you know, wading through them like water. It's a Jackie Chan sequence. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a little bit of that was cool. But then after a while, I was like, how long is this going to go on? And then when they fell down into the chasm, like hundreds and hundreds of feet and survived. <laughs> Perfectly. Yeah. Just like that scene in King Kong That's when they fall down. Say that yeah. into the chasm with all the dinosaurs. The acting was all fantastic. The visuals were great. I did not like it in 3D, 48 frames. It was weird looking. But those scenes were silly. So I'm hoping the next movie gets a little more tight. All right. Well, that does it for another episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us. The and please take care of yourself. <laughs> Have a good one, though. <laughs> no hamsters in therapy. Let this be a lesson to you. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, poor, poor Lemmy Winks. I feel bad for him.